Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome to A Seeking Heart with Allison Jingris, distributed through Breadbox Media. I am joined today by Rachel Balducci. Rachel, I realized today that Alexa can say your name correctly. I found that quite impressive. I'm so impressed. Um, thank you. And I won't say her name out loud in my home because <laughs> she'll ask me what I want. So we have to spell I'm, it here. <laughs> I, I'm surprised she actually hasn't. And if I said it incorrectly, it's all her fault because that's what she told me to say. This you got morning. it right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and um, for those who are watching the video, the podcast, uh, people may not get this joke as well, but I got my hair cut recently and I'm going for a new trend, the new Rachel, the Rachel Balducci. However, she didn't come with her hair down and flippy like I'm trying to copy. <laughs> you look fabulous. It looks great. And I love that. Like I totally had the Rachel, the other Rachel in the mid nineties. And I remember showing up to grad school with my one of a kind Rachel haircut and everybody had a variation of that haircut. I was like, Oh, I have the shoulder length version of what everybody else here has right now. Well, I'm going to be unique unless I start this new trend for the new Rachel. Anyway, speaking of the new Rachel, you guys just finished wrapping up your latest season of The Gist. How did that go? It was wonderful. It's always such a blessing to be with those ladies. And actually, for those who are watching this, we got some fun new swag this season. So I have a Gist sticker on my water bottle, which is pretty awesome. We, we talked to some excellent guests. And I really just, um, I love the conversations that I get to have with Danielle and Carolee. And just like, you know, then you do anything long enough and all of a sudden it's like, it's not really just about the people in front of the camera. It's like the camera crew, the technicians, our producer. It's just a real honor to get to be a part of what Catholic TV has going on. And this is, again, on Catholic TV. I'm a Boston girl, so Catholic TV. It's very near and dear to my heart. How, which season was this? I feel like you guys have been at this for a long time. It's probably 10 or 11. I mean, it's wow. amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Isabel is 12, and I think we've been doing this since she was two or three. So, um, yeah, really fun. For anyone listening who has not yet checked out The Gist on Catholic TV, I highly recommend it. There's an uh, Instagram, there's a YouTube channel, and of course, Catholic TV has a YouTube that you can catch up on some of the episodes you may have missed. And when does the new season begin, Rachel? I think they start airing in September. 
Wonderful. Well, I look yeah. forward to them as I do every year. But today we're actually here not to talk about her beautiful hair or her amazing show, but her new book, No Such Thing as Ordinary, Unlocking Your Extraordinary Life Through Everyday Encounters with Jesus. Rachel, why a book on the ordinary? And I love that you take us on this journey along with who I call St. Fontina, who's the woman at the well, who's been named in the Eastern Rite. So why the woman at the well? Why this book now? Yeah, so the woman at the well is basically the starting point, almost like the vertebrae or the spine or something of this book, like where I launched kind of what I was experiencing in life as I started to really pray through my circumstances. Um, and the fact that this woman, who is it's the longest conversa conversation Jesus has with a woman in the Bible, um, he meets her right where she is in the ordinary of her day. She is the walking wounded. She shows up in the middle of the day because she's trying to avoid other people. So she is a woman with wounds. She is a woman with a past and Jesus is waiting there for her. And so, and not like, Hey, I'm going to be over in this really fabulous part of, you know, Jerusalem later today. If you are available, come see me. Like, he's like, I am here. I'm here right now in the middle of what you're doing. And so that was such like an empowering thought for me is we all feel this sense of um, a desire for something glorious with our life. And we want to live an extraordinary life. And, you know, in one of the first chapters of this book, I start right off talking about the fact that I have this like total emotional breakdown watching Moana with, in the theater with my daughter. Um, and it was just funny. And I described because I think she must have been there on a birthday with, at a birthday party. So I kind of was there, but sitting by myself and she set sail on her boat and she just gets to leave and she gets to have this adventure. And I was like, you know, like, I don't get to just do that. Like I can dream all these glorious dreams and say, I want to do a million things. And I have this desire, these deep desires, but I'm, I have responsibilities. So where's the breakdown here and how do we deal with this? And then it's like, there's the woman at the well. And that's kind of like the jumping off point for all of this. Well, yesterday on uh, Catholic Mom and Catholic Mom Community on Instagram, Lisa Hendy and I talked in length about uh, chapter one, finding out that Lisa has not seen Moana, and that's going to be her homework before you guys <laughs> meet again next Wednesday, 11 a.m. Go to Instagram Catholic Mom Community for a conversation between Lisa Hendy and Rachel Balducci as they're going to, it's part of the Catholic Mom book club they'll be talking more about no such thing as ordinary and we'll find out if lisa actually got to see that um movie or not but we both really found your your message and your book really resonated both with our hearts as being um stay-at-home moms both of us for a certain part of our life both having big dreams to serve the lord uh, having to wait for some of those dreams to be realized um, and then kind of the, the, watching other people have their dreams realized. And you're like, wait a minute. Like, I, I have like this godly jealousy, right? Like, <laughs> I want what they're doing. But that wasn't um, where God had put me. And uh, so speaking of godly jealousies, I had a little bit of your one when I was reading chapter two, Thirst, about your really profoundly amazing Christian upbringing. I didn't have that. And I was like, wait, I, I want to have, so tell me how that impacts your story. Yeah. So I have grown up and I'm still here in an, what I call an intentional Christian community. It's mostly Catholics, but it is an ecumenical community where people commit to live the gospel with each other, like read Acts 
the Acts of the Apostles, and this is what we're trying to do. And in the 70s, there was a lot of this. It was part of uh, what we call in the Catholic Church, the charismatic renewal, um, just a real outpouring of the Holy Spirit and people really wanting to have accountability in their life, living around. And I wouldn't even say like-minded people because there's this false idea that it's almost like hunkering down in this bubble with people that think just like you. <laughs> the more you get to know people, the more you're like, wow, we don't think a lot, but we have some big things in common. Like we have Jesus in common, which makes everything else fall into place. But, and then we also use, you know, Jesus's teachings to sort things out like Matthew 18, 15, like how do you deal when you, with people when you're offended and with wrongdoing and, you know, living a righteous life. So that was my experience. My parents moved to Augusta, Georgia when I was four to be a part of that. I grew up here. And then when I was in college, I didn't necessarily want to be here, but I knew it was God's, like where God wanted me to be. So I went away to college. I went away to grad school knowing that this was going to be the best way for my personal sanctification. Like, and it has helped me grow in my, you know, my Catholic faith and then deepen my like personal relationship with the Lord. Having said that, and I talk about this in the book and I didn't know that I was going to talk about it as I was writing you as a writer know that words just sort of come and you're like, whoa, like as a writer, I sometimes discover how I feel by writing things. But I had known this like, and I think people can identify with this probably if you grow up in the church or if you're, you know, any kind of setting where there's just a lot of good people, there is a real tendency to compare yourself. When you're surrounded by good people, if you're not careful, you know, comparison is the thief of joy and then you're sizing yourself up and there's a way that you, you're always gonna fall short when you compare. And so that was something I really had to deal with. I had a, a really wonderful friend. Her name was Lori Lynch. She passed away last year. And I, she, whenever the comparison came up, she had this great way of helping us to really see what, what happens, especially on social media. She would say that we are continually comparing our blooper reels to people's highlight reels. Wow. Yes. Somebody who does television, you can understand that even that we just take, we take, what we see on the internet and, and around our lives and our community and even our churches and we see just their highlights we don't see their all of their life and we compare yeah. you know our mistakes our our you know bloopers into these like perfect avatars and think i can't measure up yeah but no one can measure up they're you not can. even measuring up they're not they're not and it's so i remember danielle saying danielle bean saying something years ago similarly like we compare our insides with our interior with someone's exterior and only us and God know what's going on inside of us. And that's not always a pretty place to be. And I think everybody knows that about themselves. We have areas where, you know, it's messy in there, but we tend to put best foot forward externally. And if you're not careful, um, you know, you can really just walk around feeling like life's passing you by. And I love the thing you said, Allison, about like um, thinking that somebody else was like, almost getting your dream or living the dream that you had for yourself. And I remember my mom always saying, you know, someone else's victory is like, it doesn't take from you. Like someone else's gain is not your loss. That's what she would always say. And it, and like, you can hear those words, but unless you really have made real peace with yourself and your life in this moment, and that was kind of what I was getting at in this book until I really made that peace, you can say that, but it doesn't feel anything other than yeah it does like i'm watching this person do something amazing and i don't feel like what i'm doing counts for anything right now 
um, that is a painful place to be in life. And I think we can all relate to that, you know? And I think there's also this misunderstanding that if somebody else is doing it, it doesn't mean you can't do it eventually too, because you're not going to do it the same way. God has given everyone a purpose and a plan that only they can fulfill, that only they can do. And I think there's so much more joy in celebrating, as you're saying, other people's accomplishments than um, getting kind of wrapped up in our own. For years, I used to get so jealous every time somebody wrote a book, like, oh, that's the idea I had. And I really wrestled with this jealousy for Catholic writers. I thought there has to be a special place in hell for people who are jealous for other people who are glorifying God. Like, that's... It's so, okay? it's so, it is so true. And it's so easy to feel that way though. I had that several times where like a book was formulating and I just couldn't get traction on it and somebody else made it happen. And I was like, and I remember reading some, it was some, it was a flaky book that I totally loved, Big Magic. And it was for like artsy people, you know, but it was basically this idea that like, there are these ideas that float through the universe and then they, you know, it's your chance to grab onto it. And if you don't grab on, it's gonna go find its way to somebody else. And, you know, but I heard that and I was like, trying to do what somebody else is doing or feel like, you know, you're trying to make something happen when it shouldn't happen. And I kind of wrote, the starting point for this book was me hitting rock bottom in this season in my life where I had started saying yes to all kinds of things. And I actually wrote about this in my book, um, Overcommitted, but that book I wrote after I just sort of like had been saying yes, I was got anxiety out the wazoo and I pulled back from everything. And so it was really like, how do you say yes? How do you say no? How do you make good decisions? But what was happening right as I had finished that book was I felt like, you know, that Chinua Chevy book, Things Fall Apart. That's how I felt like my life was going at that time was things. One of my kids was going through something really tough. Um, I had had... Um, I was saying yes to all kinds of things in a job that um, because I was trying to be somewhere to feel relevant. And so I was taking on things to feel like I was needed and to feel, you know, like I was trying to find affirmation from what I was doing instead of who I was. And there were like, every, think of an area in your life that you like to have peace. And I didn't have it anywhere. Like my husband's job, my mom's health was failing, stuff with my kids, stuff with friends. It was a rough time. And so all of a sudden I was like, I have nothing. Um, and I, ha I ha like all I had at that point was like a desire to just trust in the Lord because nothing else was gonna be my safety net anymore. And that was a very freeing, super duper painful time. <laughs> And that's the, actually, that's the chapter I'm looking at right now, Rachel. Again, we're talking with Rachel Balducci, her new book, No Such Thing as Ordinary, out now from Ave Maria Press. Um, th this idea of trust, like, I think that's probably one of the most difficult areas in our life in general with people we can see. Never mind how do you build this trust relationship with what we kind of see as an unseeable God, an invisible God, though I think he's very tangible. But so how how did you do that? I mean, I know there's a lot of steps to that, but just kind of in general, how, how do you help other women kind of build that trust relationship with Christ? Yeah, and I love like getting back to the woman at the well. It was, think of this image of Jesus sitting there in the heat of the day, almost like extending his hand to the woman. And she looks at that hand and she has nothing. It's not like she has this home life to go back to that's really grand. And I wasn't even at that point, you know, but like 
she doesn't have any safety nets. And here's somebody extending his hand to her, the king of the universe. So she must have known by looking at him, this is probably going to be worth it, you know. <laughs> um, and that's kind of what the Lord did for me is like, you know, I talk a lot about this in the book, though, this this God sized hole in our heart mm. that each one of us has. And we try to fill it with dreams and hopes and travel and none of those are bad things but we come back thirsty every time because we were not designed for that to be the deeply all-encompassing fulfilling thing and so what god did for me in that time and i really want to stress this so much for people going through hard times is that like the lord didn't beat me down circumstances did but he allowed those circumstances to just draw me so close to him. Like there was so much grace to just put one foot in front of the other. It was not heroic, like I'm traipsing through the Alps and look how fabulous I look doing this. It was like, I was crawling, <laughs> you know? And like, just like in the desert, like putting one elbow in front of the other. And there was God, like, I want to take this wound and I want to take this fear and I want to heal all these places, you know? and. And getting to this point where the biggest thing I did, if I could give myself any credit for this, this journey, it's that I just committed to showing up in quiet 20 minutes every day. Like I just made that mission. Like there was no other place where I was feeling, you know, this, this will be the thing. Like there, none of those things were there. And so I was like, I'm going to start showing up and little by little, like getting this healing from God, like, you know, um, I like to describe this. Um, I feel like I share this a lot, but it was so transformative for me. Like each one of us, you know, our interior, we have this interior life. And I felt like I had a relationship with the Lord for so many years where I opened the tiny little door to my soul and there was a little entryway. And that's where I allowed God to hang out with me. All the other doors were closed to this long hallway. And I kept this entryway like swept and wiped down. It was really clean. And I had this experience of like, fine, I'm going to open this one door because on my own, I like, I'm so bloodied and bruised and I opened it and I like asked God to shine his light on this situation. Or maybe he said, can I shine the light on it? I don't know, you know, <laughs> but it was like, I kind of like went to that painful place and I talk about it in the book. And I really, again, I had not planned to share this story. Like this wasn't the starting point but I realized for me, the story that I tell in the book is like rejection has always just been, had always just been a part of the deal for me. And I could never figure out why, but it was just the go-to filter the way I saw the world. Um, it was a thing I had to work through. It was something that made life hard for me because even if I wasn't actively getting rejected, I would do things that got me rejected, you know, it just was causing problems. And I don't think everybody maybe can relate to that, but I think we all have a thing that if we think about it, if we let God speak truth to us, we're like, oh my gosh, I never realized this was such a, you know, a giant concrete block that I carry in a backpack with me everywhere, you know? And so like I had the experience of some small things like giving them to God and him doing some big stuff. And finally it was like this, you know, kind of going to this place where it all started, this really painful memory and getting just incredible healing. And, and I just felt like I could see the world in a totally different way. And so that's why I feel like the woman at the well in some ways, like I wanna just tell people like God has that for us. Like he wants us to live free and it, he wants it to be very personal. Like you're not one of a million people sitting in a giant football stadium. Like I see you and I know you and I want you 
I have every as much to offer you now as I did when I was, you know, because I'm still here with you, you know, so just all the good stuff that God can do, but he can't do any of it unless we accept his offer, even in some small little, you know, wounded way. And in the, the chap, the next chapter that I was really drawn to was, which maybe even harder than trust is what you're talking about. The big word there is surrender. Yeah. And I love that you write, maybe Fabius adventure was on hold, but that didn't mean my personal happiness had to be on hold. And so that comes from kind of relent, like releasing to God, what's already his, which is you yeah. and letting him again, shine that light on whatever that piece of you or piece is, Cause I'm in pieces. I have lots of broken pieces, um, needed healing needs, his loving touch needs, his grace, his outpouring of grace. And, uh, I, I just love in this book that you kind of bring us through this journey and you do become the woman at the well, because what does he do? What does she do at the end? Rachel is that she runs and tells everybody, what Jesus did for her. And then my favorite line of all John four is that very last when they come back and they say to her, I believe not because of what he did for you, but what he's, what we've seen him do for us. That's the Alice in a bridge version of John's gospel. <laughs> <laughs> but I really see that that is what you've done. You share your witness, what God did for you, where he met you, where he healed you, where he helped you. And in doing so in such an authentic and beautiful way, that really helps the rest of us kind of in the same journey along with you go, it is possible. Yeah. And he is going to meet me because we are all created to be loved. We're created literally just to be loved by him. Yes. And and that's where we put up those walls and we, we don't always let him do that. So Rachel, as we come to our end of our time together, um, what is your kind of overall hope for those who will pick up this book and read about no such thing as ordinary. Yeah, I my biggest hope for this, well, besides just people really knowing that God, he waits for each one of us, he waits for you. And he wants you to experience this, this healing and this deep love and this freedom um, is that I want women especially, but really I feel like in some ways it applies to men equally so, that this idea of like wanting a life that's extraordinary. And we all have that because movies talk about it. Books talk about it. We love stories where people go off and do something grand, you know, do something that makes them feel alive. Um, but the reality of life is then, you know, when I talk about a, a big, amazing trip I got to take, you still got to come home and wash somebody's <laughs> underwear, you know, <laughs> like, like, even I'm True. back from a week taping a TV show. Okay, God's timing, that's a fun thing. I'm still on for six minutes and then just being me, right? And so we can't like base our whole life and our whole happiness on this idea that like, there's this dream that I will only be happy if I go after it. Yeah. Um, I do think God, I know God has given us gifts. He wants us to use those gifts. And I love that you touched on in his time, but if we can get to this point where we really trust that he has a plan for us and that he's with us in this moment, that he sees us and he knows us and he has not forgotten about us, like you are on God's radar, that we can trust that he'll allow us to use them in a way that will bring so much glory to him and so much joy to us that won't leave a you know, like our home life in the rear view mirror as we hightail it out of there. Like you still <laughs> got to come back to your normal life. So let's make normal life something fabulous as well. 
Oh my gosh. I love this message. Absolutely love this message. If you go over to catholicmom.com for a limited time, you can get Rachel's book at 25% off with the code ordinary 25. You can find that link at catholicmom.com. And also I always encourage go to your local bookstore. If they don't have them, tell them about it. Tell them about no such thing as ordinary by Rachel Balducci out from Ave Maria Press, because if you're looking for it, somebody else will be looking for it and will be blessed by it as well. And bookstores are always happy. It doesn't even have to be a Catholic bookstore. Just go in the bookstore and make them order it. Uh, Rachel, how can we keep up with all your amazing work and your ministry and your writing? Awesome. Well, I'm on Catholic TV. The gist is over there. Um, and then at Instagram, Rachel Balducci, and then rachelbalducci.com. I'm also on Twitter too, but I don't do a lot there because it's kind of messy on Twitter. So come find me on Instagram though. That's where I'm having fun. Yeah, we were talking yesterday as Lisa Hendy and I were doing the book club for Catholic Mom this this summer. We're doing Rachel's book. We're just talking about your your Instagram is one of the most fun to follow. So follow her on Instagram. Rachel Balducci, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Allison, it was so fun chatting with you. It was such a good time. So go out and find No Such Thing as Ordinary, Unlocking Your Extraordinary Life Through Everyday Encounters with Jesus, out now from Ave Maria Press. You have been listening to A Seeking Heart with Allison Jingris, distributed through Breadbox Media. God bless.